Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Nudie Brains Podcast. My name is Emily, and I'm the host. I'm very excited to be interviewing Maria, who is at Go Green for the Ocean on Instagram. She comes to marine science or science in general conservation from kind of a different background. Um, she has a degree more in the psychology realm, um, but I think that she has a really interesting perspective in trying to help people change their behaviors in order to help save our planet, which is amazing. Um, so again, if you want to follow her, she's at Go Green for the Ocean on Instagram. If you want to follow me, I'm at at Emily the Marine Biologist. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes because I do have a lot of really cool things planned uh, for the upcoming month. So without further ado, here is Maria. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today, Maria. Thank you for having me. Of course. So let's start off. What is your favorite invertebrate? All right. I've been thinking a lot about this. So I think my favorite invertebrate has always been the sea cucumber. I love them. The only one, and I was trying to think of a specific one, the only one that I've ever seen in the wild while I was diving was the donkey dung sea cucumber, which is a horrible name. It's exactly (laughs) what it looks like, but I thought that was just so cool. They're just so weird. That's funny. Where does the donkey dung sea cucumber live? In the Caribbean. Oh, very nice. Generally, yeah. It was super weird and cool. That's really awesome. Um, So I know that your path into kind of environmental science was a little bit different than some others. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about like, why did you start studying science? Where did you start off and how did you eventually come to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. It's just been a strange journey. So I started by, I was studying cognitive neuroscience in undergraduate. So um, specifically, I started doing research my junior and senior years on Parkinson's disease, um, studying the kind of biochemistry behind the disease, and then my senior year studying the relationship between um, different proteins and the disease progression and how that uh, manifests, you know, in symptoms. And I thought it was fascinating and I loved it. But at the same time, my junior year, I saw that um, sea turtle video of the turtle with the straw in its nose. Yeah. And I have always loved sea turtles. But at that moment, it kind of struck me that I felt so much passion and so much calling when I saw that video in a way that I hadn't really felt with neuroscience. Mm-hmm. And so I knew then that I was going to commit my the rest of my life to science. But unfortunately, I had to finish up that track of cognitive neuroscience, which works out because I've disco- uh, discovered that the psychology of the environmental movement and understanding how people make their decisions and why and how we can get things to work long term is so essential. So my goal now is, is as kind of a segue from cognitive neuroscience to the environment is how I can combine those two to create to study the way that people think about the environment and and hopefully improve how we interact with it. That's awesome. And that's good because now you haven't wasted those four years. Exactly. So that's wonderful. My parents are more okay with it now. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And do you think that that's something that you'll have to kind of create a field for, or is there an actual like job specifically already made? 
So there are a few organizations with positions like that. The one that comes to mind immediately is this position, I mean, is this organization called Rare. And their whole premise is using the psychology and, and understanding of people's decision making and, and everything to influence how they interact with their own local ecosystems. That's so really cool. that that to me is is fascinating. Of course, having that position be more widespread would be ideal. Yes, definitely. And you're not actively, well, that I know of necessarily doing research, but you are doing what all of us grad students dream of doing, working a big kid job. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that kind of ties into your passions? Yeah, absolutely. So I took a gap year. I graduated in 2018, took a gap year. And one of the things that I did and continue to do is work for a nonprofit, an environmental nonprofit called Go Green Wilmette. And that organization works on a policy level, so to work with the local government and, and come up with ways that Wilmette, which is a town, can be more environmentally friendly, but it also works on a community level. So finding ways, one of the things that I do is man the social media, or woman the social media, I should say. <laughs> and so finding, and then that allows me to think, okay, how can I tailor the content in ways that I know inspire action so that I can get as many people as possible to join or contribute to whatever event that we're doing. Um, so that's one of the things I also started a beach cleanup program, uh, for go green Wilmette. So for me, my Instagram is go green for the ocean. I love the ocean. I love water and everything in it. Um, but being in Chicago in the Chicago suburbs, a little bit far from the ocean. Yes. But I noticed that there was so much pollution and trash on Lake Michigan shores. Um, and so the reason, the way I got involved with go green Wilmette was by, uh, reaching out to them to start a beach cleanup program. And it's been super successful. We have our final cleanup this weekend. Um, so that's kind of an organization where I have a lot of different roles and that's opened my uh, eyes to how many different ways we can interact with the environment and people in the environment. That's awesome. And you're planning on applying to graduate school, if I'm correct. Where are you hoping to apply yes. to? And what oh, kind of program? So I'm um, applying right now, studying for the GRE. That's all I've done today. Yeah. Brain doesn't work anymore. Um, I'm currently applying to the University of Michigan. They have the oldest uh, environment sustainability program. So it's the School for Environment Sustainability. And I'm looking to do a master's right now. And they have this really cool master's path called Behavior Environment or Education. Can't remember what the E stands for. And Communication. So it's that whole premise of how we can communicate and talk about the environment in a relatable way. So that I feel like really marries the, the neuroscience and the, the uh, environmental fields. So that's, and then I think if I got into the program, I would add on conservation ecology as well. Yeah. To break into that field. That's so cool. That sounds really interesting. Well, good luck to you. The Thank GRE you. is a, it's a mountain, <laughs> but you'll get over it. And once it's done, you'll feel a lot better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, So is there anything else that you want to plug about your work or your future research or anything like that? Or do you want to move into talking about climate change a little bit? I have have a plug. So um, for me, like I mentioned, everything started with um, sea turtles. And I have not done any formal field research. I have not done any formal studies. And I felt for a long time this huge sense of imposter syndrome, which I know is something a lot of people in the conservation and environmental field feel. Um, I do know a lot about sea turtles, 
But I feel like because I haven't studied them in any kind of formal setting, that I might not be looked at as an authority, which is totally true. I'm not an authority. But I think that I want to plug, and this is something that is the whole point of my Go Green for the Ocean, is that even if we don't have formal education and training, that we can all be stewards of the environment and find our passions. And that's something that my Instagram and website, once I finally finish building it, (laughs) hopes to kind of get rid of that imposter syndrome and open up the discussion and have people learn from each other and focus on the science and communicating that in a, in a, in an approachable way. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, as part of the Latinx community, as a Latina, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you really hope to like reach out to those people and yes. So that's, that's the goal in terms of ultimate research goal. I would love to work on, um, improving the relationship between fisher people and uh, sea turtles and their ecosystems in Latinx countries. Um, I'm Ecuadorian and Puerto Rican, and so working in either of these two countries would be fantastic. Um, I have gone to and helped out at a sea turtle uh, conservation organization in Costa Rica and got to meet a lot of poachers there, which was a fascinating experience, learning that they are just humans trying to eat, right? Not these villains that we often think of. Um, So ultimately, yes, I would love to find a way to give back to my community in a way that benefits them long-term and improves the health and, you know, wellness of the turtles in the area. That's awesome. And those are major hotspots for turtles having their nests too. Definitely. Definitely. Way to get back for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of crazy things that we're doing yes. to our planet and people just trying to survive. Right. Do you have any advice for young people who want to make a difference on the planet? Maybe they can't vote um, and they're just trying to make a change in their own lives for the future. Yeah. So that's something I've thought about a lot because I think on the one hand, you have a bunch of people involved in the environmental movement who very much operate under the premise that every little action counts, right? And that can be super inspiring. Then you have environmentalists on the other spectrum who say, no, 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 that's not how it works. It's only the corporations that need to make the changes and the governments and everything. So for young people, I have found myself and I assume others, I'm often torn. Do I do anything or is what I do pointless? And where do I go from there? So I'm kind of in the middle ground, right? I think that corporations absolutely need to clean up their act. And I know that there are a lot of them who are just, well, we don't have to get into that. But I also do think that there are definitely actions we can all take that even if they don't have the biggest impact on overall climate, it's again, the psychology, right? If you're more involved, you're more willing to continue to be involved, right? So if you start doing little things, even if they do honestly have a negligible impact, it's that whole mindset of giving back and finding your community and growing bigger and bigger. And that to me is what's important about the movement, you know, lowering your waste or taking more public transportation or eating less red meat, all of those things, even if, you know, studies and news say that they don't really do anything. I think it's important for people to still get involved because otherwise they're going to just sit and say it's a lost cause. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the psychology of it too, because that's not really something that I ever thought about before, not, mm-hmm. not being in that, in that yeah, of course. realm. Yeah. Um, so, but I think like, 
you're right. You know, once people start making that first step, it can grow. Mm -hmm. It's all about setting that mindset of being like, okay, I'm going to do something to help. And then, you know, you can go from there, but yeah, that's really cool. I love it. Thank Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Um, what is, so you mentioned a few different, you know, options like eating less red meat, things like that. But if you could choose just one thing that everyone could do to help the planet, what do you think that would be? Um, so I think that when I think of all the different things that I would suggest, it all boils down to consume less. And that is often phrased as mindful consumption. So I think that people need to really analyze. So in, in various aspects of their life, what they're consuming, if it's necessary, if there are alternative ways of consuming it that reduce carbon footprint or waste and kind of do an audit on their own life and see where they can, where they can consume less. Because I think there are a bunch of different problems in, in, you know, you can say use, uh, you know, no plastic bags, but I think that no matter what individual action, it all comes down to that consumption. So I think that people being really thoughtful about where they get their, uh, you know, whatever they need to buy, how often they go, how they get there, and just really think about it. It, it's, it can be overwhelming at first, but if you kind of parse it into its individual components, I think that it's much more manageable. So I would suggest people consume less and consume wisely. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And being from Chicago, I feel like on the coasts, people are very mindful of like plastic bags and things like that. But I know like when I've gone to visit my sister in Nebraska, mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to like triple bag my produce and I'm like, Whoa, no, 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 no. <laughs> wait, stop. Yeah. Do you, have you noticed that at all in Chicago or how is it? How is that's it? Do you have I mean, like that's basically the ocean? So that's a great question. Yeah, I know it feels like it. Um, so you would think that in Chicago, people would be more mindful and that people on the coasts of the Great Lakes and people in cities would be a little bit more thoughtful. Chicago is making slow strides, but there's still a lot. So, for example, so many restaurants that are on or near the lake serve uh, styrofoam and that immediately gets blown into the lake. Um, so I think that people are becoming more mindful. There was actually a graduate student at the University of Michigan, I'm forgetting her name, who did a great study on Lake Michigan, and uh, her study specifically focused on the number of balloons that were found in Lake Michigan. And, of course, we know impact balloons can have on wildlife. And I think that when that study came out and was you know, published in Chicago and in all the big cities around Lake Michigan, people started realizing, oh, you know, we do have an impact on our waterways. And that just happened over the summer. So I think that slowly, and the Chicago Tribune just ran a full page, a full front page article about uh, plastics, microplastics in the lake, which is amazing. I think that slowly people are starting to figure out that even in landlocked places, and I know Chicago doesn't feel like it, but even in landlocked places, we are having an impact on our waterways. We are having an impact on what ultimately can go to the ocean. And so another thing that I wanted to do with my Go Green for the Ocean is remind people that even if you are in a landlocked country where the nearest ocean is hundreds of miles away, you still can have an impact on it. Um, so I think slowly, yes, to answer your question, slowly people are are making changes in Chicago, but there's definitely still a long way to go. That's good. That's really good. Um, and moving on to the question that everyone hates, 
Um, (laughs) Do you have climate change deniers in Chicago? And if so, what would you say to them? Oh, hi, kitty. (laughs) It's okay. My cat does that. I knew knew he was going to do that. He loves sitting on my computer at the worst times. Paco, no, thank you. Um, Yes, I do. And I have family members who also are, um, hmm, I still haven't found a way to say this properly, but who do not believe in anthropogenic climate change. Let's go with that. Um, And yes, in Chicago, that as well. Um, I think you're going to find that in even the most progressive cities. You're going to find the the climate deniers who have a lot of power, and that's often in bigger corporations if it's not in the government. Um, I think that because Chicago is kind of that blue area in a rather red state, there are fewer uh, climate deniers and more and more people are becoming aware of what's going on. Yeah. I think something really cool though, um, in an environmental class I did take in undergrad, a professor said that the way to communicate climate and environmental issues is not to preach, but to find out the way in which it's important to everyone. And what I mean by that is, is look at each person, each group, and find out the way that the environment is important to them. So when I do encounter people who don't believe in climate change or don't believe in human-caused climate change, my first step is not to immediately write them off, which can be super easy to do, but it comes back to that psychology, right? How, how does the environment impact your life, right? So if this person doesn't believe in, in climate change, but loves fishing and notices that all the salmon are going away, right? It's all, all ends up being related, but finding ways to communicate to them to care for the planet. And it's that foot in the door phenomenon, right? Once you get them to start caring about the salmon, they maybe realize, oh, we're also cutting down a lot of uh, trees in the Pacific Northwest, and that's bad for salmon. Oh, trees are important for oxygen, Huh. And that gets them thinking about the larger picture. So I think that with climate deniers and people who struggle with environmental issues, that's kind of the way that I approach them. And you definitely still get them in, in more liberal cities, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point is really like you don't want to preach at them. You want to meet them where they are and figure exactly. out how can you work forward. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. that's great. I think mm-hmm. that's great. Well, I know that I didn't give you a ton of time to come up with an obscure fact. So I just briefly Googled, um, your donkey dung. (laughs) And I found out that they typically reproduce, um, normally around the same time with warmer waters. And while they are, you know, putting out their gametes, um, they Uh typically wave their tentacles around in the air. Um, as they're doing that. So there's your obscure fact. Oh, I do know one really quick. Yeah, I did read that there is a one to one ratio when I was looking at the donkey dung earlier, a one to one ratio of males to females. Really? And I'm not sure how often that happens in populations. I would wager not often. Well, so, speaking of weird facts not related to invertebrates, <laughs> warmer temperatures are making more female sea turtles. I know. And it's not good. Yes. It is not Too good. many females. Too many hormones. Too many, that's, yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, mm -mm, that's not a good one. Do need a balance for sure. Exactly. Well, is there anything else that you want to mention, Maria, before we start to wrap up things? Well, I'd love to plug my Instagram one more time at Go Green for the Ocean. Um, I am having so much fun doing it. I make my posts all very science-based 
and they take a lot of time. And I appreciate everyone who, who comments. And I've made obviously great friends, including you over, you know, the course of the last two months since I've started the Instagram. So I really uh, encourage people to come join the community and I'd, I'd love to get to know more of you. Yeah. I love following you on Instagram <laughs> at, at go green for the ocean, right? Yes. That's yeah, exactly. I it. love it so much. And I always like your insight and your comments and everything. You're wonderful. So thank, thank you. you so much again for being I appreciate on the it. Yeah, no problem. And I will talk to you very soon. Okay. Bye, Emily. Bye. Hi, me again. Sorry. I just wanted to pop on on the end here to say thank you so much again to Maria for being on my podcast and also shout out the scientist who actually did that research about the balloons. Her name is Laura O'Brien. So if you're interested in reading more about that or seeing what she's up to, you can definitely search her name, Laura, L-A-R-A O'Brien. And Laura, if you're listening to this, um, I would like to interview you for my podcast. So please reach out. (laughs) Thank you.